the name of the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. When I was in junior high school, the movie War Games came out. And because of that movie, everyone in my junior high wanted to be a computer hacker. And so when we got our first computer, a glorious TRS-80 color computer with a whopping 16K of RAM, my brother and I begged our dad to teach us how to program it. And for our first lesson, he gave us a very important acronym, GIGO, G-I-G-O. And it stands for garbage in, garbage out. And it's a very basic and fundamental tenet of computer programming. And basically it means that no matter how great your computer is, you could have the TRS-80 with 32K of RAM. But if you're putting bad code into it, you're going to get a bad program out of it. And if you think about it, this really is a common sense principle that applies to so many aspects of our lives. For example, you could spend a fortune on a fine Italian sports car, but if you put Mountain Dew in the gas tank, it's not going to run. The same idea applied when I was racing bikes, especially at the elite level, eating the right food both before and during a race is crucial if you want to be competitive. If I had tried to, uh, to race an hour after eating a Big Mac and washing it down with a big old Coca-Cola, I would have been dropped in the first mile of every race. Jesus applies this concept to our spiritual lives when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And this morning, I'd like to take a look at what Jesus means by this statement and how we can apply it to our lives today. Theologians for years have debated whether or not Jesus is speaking specifically about the Eucharist when he tells his disciples that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. The early church certainly understood that these words of Jesus find their fulfillment in the bread and wine of the Eucharist, but to claim that Jesus' words contain only a sacramental significance would really be missing the point. Although I do believe that Jesus here commands us to come and receive the Eucharist as a body of believers, what he is saying is about much more than just that. But to understand it, we need to start by talking about cannibalism. Now, I know that may be something you don't hear a lot in a sermon. It's a bit of a taboo subject in our culture. And truth be told, it was pretty taboo in Jesus' day as well. And Jesus certainly intends to shock his readers or, and his hearers when he tells them that, that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. 
Now, by and large, cannibals believed that eating the flesh of someone allowed the eater to take on some of the unique qualities of the person who is being eaten. Greeks and Romans were known to drink the blood of gladiators who had fallen in the arena as a way to somehow gain a measure of their extraordinary strength. So there was this prevailing understanding of people in the first century that consuming another person brought the eater a sort of mystical union with the one who is being eaten. And so Jesus is playing off of this theme Of course, he will redefine what it means to eat his flesh and drink his blood at the Last Supper. But the underlying meaning remains the same. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if he is truly to be your Lord and Savior, you must enter into this almost supernatural union with him. There must be no separation between yourself and And Jesus. The question we have to ask now is how do we take these words of Jesus seriously today? How do we feed on Christ? Well, for starters, we are called to feed on His Word. God has revealed Himself to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. And this is the primary way that he continues to speak to us today. Now, the Bible may not contain every answer to every question we might have, but through the Bible, we're able to learn about who God is and what his character is like. And the more time we spend reading Scripture, the better we come to know and understand God and his nature. Now, before coming to Springfield, I spent 14 years serving in Colorado Springs under a priest named Don Armstrong. And Don and I had way more than just a working relationship. We really shared life together for those 14 years, and we got to know each other very personally. And it got to a point where I had spent so much time with Don. I had been with him for so many decisions that he had made that I could anticipate a decision he would make without him even telling me what it was going to be. And a similar thing happens when we spend time each day reading from God's Word. We may not hear specific answers to every question we might have, But as we learn more and more about God's nature and his character, we're able to better discern what his will for us is. Unfortunately, we frequently choose to feed on spiritual junk food. They say you are what you eat, and this concept applies to our minds and our souls just as much as it does to our bodies. After all, garbage in, garbage out. How often do we neglect this bountiful feast of God's word in favor of empty spiritual calories? As you may know, I love circus peanuts, those orange marshmallow candies. 
And I will eat them until I am sick, and then I will continue eating them until the bag is empty. Now, not only do these delicious orange treats offer me absolutely zero nutritional value, but sometimes I'll eat so many of them and make myself so sick that I'm not even interested in eating a healthy dinner. In the same way, we can pig out so much on things like social media, 24-hour news networks, violent TV shows, and trashy novels that we lose our appetite for God's word, and thus we neglect it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love circus peanuts, and there's nothing wrong with me eating them from time to time. But if that's all I'm eating... If my entire diet consisted of nothing but circus peanuts, then there would be some serious problems with my health. And in the same way, if all of your spiritual calories are coming from Fox News or the Huffington Post, then your soul is going to be seriously malnourished. In verse 58 of our reading, Jesus refers to himself as the bread that came down from heaven. Now, in Jesus' culture, bread was a staple of the diet. Every meal included bread, and they couldn't imagine what life would be like without it. We need to make Jesus our spiritual staple And we need to feed on his word constantly. When we spend time reading our Bibles every day, we're able to know our Lord more deeply and more intimately. And then we're able to filter out all of these other things and filter them through this spiritual lens. And so we can read something from the Huffington Post and we can ask, does this really line up with the word of God? Or we can see an article on Facebook and say, I don't think this represents a biblical worldview. When we feed regularly on the word of God, then the word of God determines how we see and view and understand the rest of the world. So word of God in, word of God out. A second way that we feed on Jesus' flesh and blood is by feeding on his church. The Apostle Paul often refers to the church as what? As the body of Christ. This is no accident. And it's through this ecclesia, this community of Christian believers around the world, that the Holy Spirit works on earth. Now, I'm not referring specifically to the institutional church, but I'm also not excluding it either. When we say in the Nicene Creed that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we're referring to the universal church, which is made up of all believers for all times for many different denominations and time periods. What's important to understand here is that the Christian life is not an individual endeavor or a personal pursuit. The Christian life is intended 
to be lived in community. That doesn't mean that we don't have our own personal prayer times or devotions, but it does mean that our faith is about more than just that. Think for a minute about how we eat our physical food. In many ways, there's a very practical element to our eating. Our bodies need fuel so that we have energy to do the things that we want to do throughout the day. Now, for some people, that's all food is. And so they'll just grab an energy bar as they're headed out and eat it in the car on the way to their next activity. And while doing that can certainly nourish the body, it doesn't do a whole lot for the soul. Now, I want you to think about the best meal you ever had. I can almost guarantee you that the meal you were thinking about was not eaten by yourself. I remember one of the best meals I ever had. It happened in a swanky restaurant in Charleston, South Carolina. And it was at the end of a theology conference and I went out with all of the clergy from my home state of Colorado and we had this incredible dinner. But here's the thing, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you what we ate that evening. What I do remember is that there was laughing and sharing and telling stories. In fact, at one point, the manager of the restaurant had to come and tell us to please keep it down because we were disturbing the other patrons. Now, I'm sure that the food was fantastic and the wine was top shelf, but what made that meal truly special was that I was sharing it with people I knew and people I loved. It was the community that made it such a great dinner. The church is a gift from God our Father because as human beings, we are created for community. In Genesis chapter two, we we get all of chapter one where the Lord says, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then finally in chapter two, we hear it is not good. So what isn't good? The Lord says it is not good for the man to be alone. And so he gives him a helper and creates a community. And of course, this need for a community is part of what it means for us to be created in the image of a triune God. And for this reason, the Lord calls us to come together regularly to worship him as part of a community or in common. When we talk about common prayer as Anglicans, we're not saying that our prayer is ordinary, but rather we're saying this is how we pray together. That is why on Sunday mornings we pray the same prayers and we sing the same songs because during this time we worship not as individuals, but rather as a united body. And there are thousands of churches around the globe who are worshiping with us with the same words, the same prayers, and even the same songs. 
Now, while we can certainly pray and sing praises to God alone, there's something about this common prayer that makes it even more special and helps to draw our hearts to God in a way that simply can't be done when we worship on our, on our own. The writer of the Hebrews even implores the Christians in the first century to not neglect meeting together because our hearts and our souls will never fully be nourished outside of the body of believers. And of course, this feasting on Jesus' body of the church culminates each week when we come together to spiritually receive his body and his blood in the Eucharist. So if you haven't done so already, make weekly and regular worship with the body of Christ a priority in your life. Allow yourself to be continually strengthened and spiritually nourished through feasting on his body, the church. Well, in closing, I'd just like to say what a pleasure it has been serving the fine people of all saints for the past four and a half years. I've learned a great deal and I've grown immensely during my time here. And I hope that you can all say the same. I will miss worshiping with you on Sunday mornings and greeting you at the door as you come and go. But the great thing about the body of Christ is that we are all one. And while I may be going to a different outpost of the kingdom, we are all still part of that same body. And as long as we all continue to feed on God's word and feed on God's church, we will continue to be united in him as we nourish our souls with his bountiful goodness. And so perhaps our new acronym can be GJO, Jesus in, Jesus out. You will all continue in my prayers as I hope that I will continue in yours. And I'm sure that the Lord has wonderful things in store for all saints. And I pray that God's blessing will continue to be upon all of you as you work to bring God's kingdom to this fallen and broken world. Amen.